Welcome to EdTech Adventures. Join us as we explore the role of technology, STEM, and creative play in education. With expert guests, we'll discover how learning is always an adventure. What do you want to be when you grow up? Many of us have heard that question throughout our K-12 experience. However, an equally important question is how do you prepare for the potential careers that you want to pursue? Today, our guest, Pat Keeney, will share his experience in the world of career technical education and how this field can help students prepare for their future careers. Patrick, or Pat Keeney, has spent almost four decades impacting education at scale. Pat began his career as a science and math teacher, later becoming a NASA consultant. He then worked at K-12 Inc., now known as Stride, where he led teams that built innovative products ranging from next-generation virtual labs to algorithmically driven math games. PATH is largely responsible for an online career education school model called the Destinations Career Academies, which evolved into a $7 million a year business within five years of launching. PATH has been with McGraw-Hill for a year and has been focused on making career education products that have a profound impact on the workforce of tomorrow. He is passionate about supporting career education teachers, especially those that are very new to the field. Thanks so much for joining us on our podcast, PATH. Charlotte, it is truly my pleasure to be here. Well, I'm really excited for this conversation. I know we can talk forever about this, but let's begin at the beginning of your journey. Could you describe a memorable education experience that you've had as a student? My son reminded me the other day that he likes classic WoW because that's what he was doing when he was between eight and 12. And then he joked that I must still like Pong because that's when I was eight to 12. And I had to remind him that I'm actually, actually a little older than that. So terribly embarrassing. Uh, and the odd thing is I'm into much more fun content than he is right now, even though I know there probably is a big wild, classic wild community out there. And we do raid together. And just for the people who don't know, WoW is World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. That's right. And I am also a classic WoW player, so I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, and Taran Druid, Feral Druid here. Oh, really? Yes. I'm a Fire Gnome Mage. That's right. Oh, cool. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So formative years, eight to 12 years old, I'm kind of tall. And so when I was eight years old, it was apparent to me and everybody around me that I was getting big, tall, you know, basketball player size. And I had the pleasure of seeing the first human beings walk on the moon in 1969. I'm that old. It was just an amazing moment, totally inspiring. And that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to go into space. And so I went to the library shortly thereafter and found out that if you were over six feet tall, you couldn't go up into space, that the cockpits weren't made for people that were over 5'11". And so one, that crushed me. I had enough support and encouragement around me. I had a lot of people when I was young who were kind of, you could do anything you want, you could be anything you want. So that encouragement for people is extremely important. And so eventually, I went through several different career iterations, even going to college. I was a biology major, I was a chemical engineering major, I became a physics teacher at first. And one thing led to another, and I ended up being an asset consultant and spent 10 years at the Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland, and was able to, through either a cosmic joke or great luck, persist and enjoy, enjoy many years living the dream. Yeah, full circle moment, right? Just remembering all the way back to you as a student wanting to work for NASA, and then you actually get to work for NASA. That's the dream come true. 
So you said you explored different majors in college, but then ended up becoming a classroom teacher. How did that journey start for you? You know, that's a great question. And one of the reasons that I'm interested in career education now and have been for 10 or 12 years is because of the experience that I had in college where I started as a biology major. It was clear to me that that's not what I wanted to do. So at the time I went to the equivalent of a college guidance counselor and asked what should I do when I grow up? And they said, well, you know, your aptitude seems geared toward math. So here are two options, physics teacher or chemical engineer. And I said, oh, what does a physics teacher make? And, and I asked what does chemical engineering major make? And they gave me the two numbers and I was not the village idiot. So chemical engineering is the direction I moved in. Now I was a terrible physics student, Charlotte. I was really bad. And I don't mean poorly behaved. I mean, I couldn't grok physics. And nobody told me that chemical engineering was physics. So I struggled, persisted, struggled, persisted, caught chicken pox in the middle of physical chemistry, you know, very challenging and just happened to sit down with a college professor one day and started to talk about education as a career. And he said, you know, you're going to know exactly how the four saps sitting in front of you feel. And I thought, you know, every physics teacher that I've ever met is kind of, now this is years and years and years ago, kind of sort of an elitist snob. It felt like they were up there to show you that they were smarter than you, even though half the classroom probably had a higher IQ than them. And so that resonated with me. And ultimately, that's how I ended up being a physics teacher for 17 years. I think, though, that career education ends up giving students the opportunity to try things at an early age. So back then, college wasn't as expensive as it is today. Today, that little journey with the side trail here and another path there, that's a $150,000, $200,000 journey, depending on where you go to school. So it's unaffordable, and especially to end up being a high school physics teacher, because it'd probably take 200 or 300 years to just pay off the student loans from that. That was a joke, by the way. So that's not real. Yeah, just a joke. That's right. That's a fascinating experience because I was similar and I thought there were these boxes that you majored in, right? Psychology, computer science. And it took me going to college to realize there are these interdisciplinary paths. There are these paths where you can merge like what you learn from physics into, for us, it was what you learned in computer science into education, that space. And finding the merging of the two, for me, was like a better match than going purely into computer science there. It sounds like you taught for many years. What then led to your transition into education work outside of the classroom? So I never was able to or satisfied with just working in the classroom. In my 20s, I was a basketball coach. I'm goal-driven. I wanted to be a head basketball coach by the time I was 30. Just snuck in under the wire as a head basketball coach by the time I was 30. And I had the opportunity then to potentially coach in college. So I wasn't the teacher that went home at 3.30. Yeah, I was the teacher that came in after school for help. And then on top of that, you know, I was coaching. In fact, I coached football, basketball, softball. So I was not afraid to be busy and loved being around kids. But I had a college offer and I came home and my wife was pregnant with our first. And I said, I just got an offer. And I'm not going to mention college or the name, but it was prestigious just got an offer from, you know, ex-college and uh, this guy. And she looked at me and she said, when are you going to grow up? 
And so that was like, by the way, just from these two stories, you know that a phrase or a sentence can have a big impact on somebody like me. And that resonated with me. And I thought, okay, time to be a responsible adult. So that ultimately led to what do I do next? And, you know, as a side vocation, something to continue to grow. I was very fortunate. I was around ed tech from the very first time I was in the classroom. My first teaching job was with one of the two IBM pilot schools in the country. So, you know, $2 million of free equipment in, I'm paid to date myself this way, but in 1986, I had an opportunity to be on the cutting edge of building electronic temperature gauges, which are, you know, everywhere now. So just, you know, help to build sensors. And so I feel a little bit like I was just funneled and led into that area. And then, you know, ultimately ended up as a NASA consultant. So it was just an amazing set of circumstances that ended up moving me in that direction. So it's interesting. You pivoted your passion in coaching into a passion in ed tech. And then with being a NASA consultant, what led you then down the path of looking into career education, which is, I mean, slightly different in the same landscape of being a standard teacher, teaching physics in a classroom? So there were a couple other career hops between those two very, very different points in, in my life. I ultimately left NASA because I had had a job offer where I had the opportunity to build science and math courses that were online. Did that for six or seven years, became a director of instructional design. And then as I was doing that, I started to feel stale. I have a half-life of about four years. After that point, I've become radioactive. So I was starting to become a little bit stale. I liked management. I liked working with a team. I liked building a team. But instructional design, I felt at the time, at least, it was played out. You know, we kind of knew everything that we needed to know and everything that we were capable of. And we built some cool stuff. And so the opportunity arose to move into career education and into a new field, product management. And product management felt new, career education felt as if it was going through some sort of revolution. It wasn't like daddy's book tech, which is how I thought, you know, there was like the college path and then there was the paths for the rest of us. And that's what book tech used to be. And so I was just fortunate again to hop on the right train at the right time, learned about it, to just developed a passion because it is so critical to all of us as individuals, to our communities, to our regions and to our country to have a workforce where people can equitably be trained to be what they're capable of, what they want in a way that they can digest it. Not everybody's in a life situation where they can just hop into community college even and show up in a 930 class every day. It's not always their fault that they're not there at 930 a.m. And so ultimately it felt like a field and still does where the challenges are monumental, they're exciting, and it isn't rocket science. It's actually, I think, in some ways more complicated. Right. I liked how the words that you use where it feels like career technical education is experiencing a revolution right now. Like you said, back then, it really did feel like two paths, just very discreet, very separate. For you, it, where you see it, what is your definition of career technical education or CTE, where it is now? Career education, wow, that's hard. <laughs> you know, when I think about it, so many people think about it as something that happens discreetly in school and that it has a discrete beginning point and a discrete end point. 
And that's how we look at school, right? I mean, you start in kindergarten, preschool, first grade, and then there's a stage that ends in 12th grade, and then there's your high school diploma and so on. And career education is, it's really the sum of all of the experiences that contribute to you being of value in the workplace and to you creating a workplace that's of value to you. And I think that second part is not cultivated by most people, unfortunately. So the first part of that is that's a set of experiences. It goes beyond curriculum. It goes into being exposed to work-based experiences, being around people who are not just like you want to be, but they're also not like what you want to be. Most of us can figure out not just what to do, but what not to do, looking at a role model or anti-role model. So there's that aspect of it that, again, goes way beyond curriculum. Then the other aspect of it is, A, having some sense of knowing what you want. B, knowing that the, just like the perfect partner just doesn't exist for most of us, it becomes not a matter of settling. It's, it's not satisfying, but it's appreciating the person that you love for who they are. I think, you know, the value that you bring to people the opportunities are there. It's loving the opportunities for what they are. And then thirdly, beyond that, it's giving yourself permission to actually think, hey, I could enjoy my job. I could enjoy my work. And you know, I've often felt that if you enjoy what you're doing, you're really passionate about it, you don't really ever work. You know, you're really contributing in a way that resonates with you, that's authentic. And I think that contributes to living your best life. So we don't teach any of that, right? Unfortunately. And so that's where I think the challenge is monumental. We definitely have classes for students and the rest of it to varying degrees is executed in a variety of ways throughout the United States. Sorry to be so general about that, by the way, but we can go into like, you know, some instances where it's done well and not done well. Yeah, I was about to dive into that because it's so fascinating talking about CTE. It feels like such a more holistic view of a student's journey, not just their time in the classroom at school, but also, like you said, their time spent outside of school in potentially work-based learning environments, opportunities to reflect about where they want to be. But I know a lot of people, when they hear CTE, they get some things wrong, right? So what are some of the top things that people get wrong about CTE? And maybe you could share some examples of you know, what that can lead to if they get wrong or some examples of what makes it different than what people usually think of when they think of classroom or school education? Sure. Great question. So I think number one is that many people still think that career education is just like Votech was a generation ago, two generations ago. And so Votech was where students went to have a very hands-on experience but also a very dirty, in most cases, low paying, and in many cases, physically very demanding experience. I dare say that most of the jobs that were taught in Votech then don't exist, at least not the same way that we know of jobs today. So yes, you could learn those nursing then and nursing now. Nursing 30 or 40 years ago was very different than it was today. Manufacturing is completely different. Today it's clean manufacturing, it's tabletop lathes, and it in no way resembles what it was 30 or 40 years ago. So the tagline that I think of when I think of this is it's just not your daddy's book back. And so CTE 
has changed a great deal. However, if you ask a parent of especially middle school student, what lies for their son or daughter's future? The answer almost always is going to be, I want them to go to college. They, they need them. And college is a means to an end. And that ultimate end is career. So there's, I still think a lot of work to do. And I think COVID actually helped and it helped accelerate people understanding that the value of a college education is diminishing relative to how much you pay for it. And because of that, I think we're on the verge of a real revolution where you see people now really understanding that and, and demanding that I want to go to school and come out of this, not with a high school diploma, but with a high school diploma and a credential or a high school diploma and an opportunity to go to my local community college and earn an associate's degree. I want to go to college and I don't just want to get a diploma. I want to go to college and I want to come out with meaningful, transferable skills that I can go into the job force with and at the very least hold my own. I don't have to excel, but I have to be able to get a job, not be underemployed, because I have to pay those loans back, right, in many cases. And then beyond that, what to do for the rest of my life is a great jumping off point for 30 or 40 or 50 years in the workforce in some cases, not everybody, of course, but in some cases. So what does that look like when done well? Do you have an example or personal experience where you've seen it go, okay, like this program, the CTE program really helped a student and potentially their parents identify a career path that they could really follow even while they were in high school? So Wheeling High School in Wheeling, Illinois, was recognized in the early 20-teens by President Obama as an outstanding STEM school. And I think the danger there is thinking it was truly a STEM school. What it really was, was a career academy. And in finding out more about Wheeling High School, all the components that we mentioned a little while ago, work-based learning opportunities and experiences, where there was a specific person that was hired by the school district simply to go out to different organizations in the community, whether they were businesses, nonprofits, rotary, and to find instances where they were willing to work with students either on a job shadowing basis, an internship basis, or an apprenticeship basis. And so ultimately there was a student for every place and a place for every student, which takes a lot of legwork and a certain type of person that they invested in that person. And they had multiple career technical student organizations like SkillsUSA, FFA, and so on. So they absolutely were a model. If you were to talk to them, they readily admitted that they had started the journey about 11 years earlier and that it took a long time to really wrap their head around what they were doing, put everything in place, and then evolve into a great career academy, which they were at the time. So I think you see more and more centers of excellence that are like that around the country. I've had a chance to spend a lot of time in Ohio, and you see many career centers in Ohio that are outstanding. So how do these programs work? It sounds like at one academy, they hired an individual to really focus on the work-based opportunities. How do these CTE programs usually work in conjunction with other education programs at a school, whether it's working with the standard classroom teachers that a student goes to or any of the other programs that a school has to manage at the same time? I think at the most basal level, CTE is looked upon as a group of electives. 
they're just some credits that students can attain. There may be an effort, sometimes a nominal effort. It's not a deep effort. Sometimes there's an effort though to help students understand what opportunities are out there. And then to inform the student as to here are some classes that you can take that will help you learn more about culinary arts. So in some cases, it's just classes. In better cases, it's classes that are coupled with co-curricular extracurricular activities. CTSOs, I'll name a couple others, Skills USA, FFA, BPA, DECA, there are about seven or eight of them. They're the organizations that some of us heard of when we were in school, but we either did or didn't join. And these are organizations that provide experiences that allow students to practice what they're learning in the classroom. So in 45 minutes, 180 days, or 90 days, whatever the structure is, you can't always differentiate instruction so that students learn everything that they need to learn and then practice everything that they need to practice to master and attain the skills that they need. So these co-curricular activities that are provided by these CTSOs are invaluable because they provide community services. And in providing these community services, somebody who's interested in marketing can promote these services. You have your IT people over here that can build the website that's required for these services, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just applying skills that they've learned in their classes. Another level of that is they can apply those skills right back in the school. So I have seen schools where they have breakfast, the breakfast is cooked by the culinary arts folks. The money, dollars, cents are taken by finance folks who are standing at the end of the line. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be just contained in the four walls of the school, right? But that is, I think, a more integrated experience for a student. And so hopefully I've given you the idea in a short period of time. It goes well beyond, I'm just taking this class this semester or this quarter or this year. I'm involved in something. It's meaningful to me. And it's helping me build what I think I'm going to look like in the future. And I, I love that idea. I mean, as a curriculum developer myself, we're always constantly trying to talk to teachers about how to integrate real world connections into the classroom or your curriculum. But this seems just such like a natural way to do so, where it's like a symbiotic relationship between the two programs. Absolutely. And it, again, it doesn't have to be in the school. It could it's certainly in the community. And online schools do it. That's part of the program that piloted the first Skills USA chapter that was for an online statewide academy. And there was a question as to so how would that work? And it worked great. I would mean, do some things differently than if you were in a physical building, but at the same time, students were involved. Ultimately, we had students who were national competitors in interviewing, programming, areas like that, just like students who were working border schools. That's awesome. Now you've been at McGraw-Hill for the past year or so. What has been your main focus when building out the CTE program there? Well, my first focus is just getting over the awe. So I've had the opportunity to work for amazing organizations. NASA is the best in the history of history of what it does. And one of the things that excited me so much about working with McGraw-Hill is their standing in the education space just such a great company. And what I did not know whenever I started working there was how great of a culture it is. A great inclusive culture at work, a culture where people are accountable, self-accountable, 
they're truly great professionals. They're world-class and great people. And, you know, for me, I feel like every day I'm trying to live up to the standard of, you know, the wonderful people that I'm around, truly. So that's been part of the focus. The other part is really thinking about what value a company like McGraw-Hill can bring to the career education space. We have an opportunity that smaller startups don't have. We have a brand that's recognizable. We have departments across our organization that can help to supercharge the products that we build and the experiences that we help to provide. And most of all, we have a great opportunity to go out and talk to teachers, administrators, policymakers about what do you really need? And one of the things that we found out, Charlotte, is not much of a surprise, but I don't think the curriculum providers are addressing this as significantly as they need to. And that is teachers are not happy today. And that's an understatement. Recent research shows that by the end of the year, two thirds to three quarters of teachers will want to look for a new job. And we're truly in a, an instance where there's a crisis. So one of the areas we're focusing on is, is we build out CTE courses. How do we build out these courses so that there's not just nominal support for teachers and for administrators, but we're really giving them what they need. So I like to think of it as, and we're by no means here yet, but we want to wrap a warm blanket around the teacher and make them feel like they're valued because they are. And that even if they're not CTE certified or not a spell CTE, it doesn't make any difference. We're going to give them curriculum and resources so that they can be successful. Just like my first year as a physics teacher, when I was three days ahead of the students, I didn't know physics and they knew it better than I did, but I had all the resources that I needed. And oddly enough, curriculum that I used then was Glencoe and Glencoe later became incredible. So it's kind of a little bit of full circle. So it's that focus on what do teachers need? What do teachers want? And if any teachers are listening to this, just let me know. CTE teachers, by the way, not science teachers. I, like, I can't help them that much with other disciplines. But I think that spirit of wanting to know what you need is replete throughout the company. I love that you're doing that, just understanding the audience and the concept of a warm blanket, because we've been in the same boat talking to teachers and a lot of them feel so alone, right? That they're doing this all on their own and they really shouldn't feel that way. Well, Charlotte, you're a curriculum developer. How many times have you heard of or seen products, maybe not in education even, but products with no, no market, with no real value, they, they seem like great ideas at the time. Everybody can come up with a great idea, but I think the best products are products that meet real needs that people have. People may not know that such a solution even exists and the solution might be creative, right? But that, that idea of product market fit, I think we're in an era where that's been turned around. And if we listen to the market, we will develop a product fit for that. Right. Yeah. It's less about if you build it, they will come, but more, you know, let's first listen before we build. Exactly. Now, looking to the future, you're already thinking about that. I know you are well, working at McGraw-Hill, but looking into the future, how do you think CTE could impact the future of ed tech or even in the world of education? I think societally, we're at the edge of a positive realization that school and schooling, formal learning is really just the launch pad 
for any student. By the way, this morning, I, I live in Florida, about an hour and a half from the Cape. And, you know, just driving out to get my morning coffee, we saw a launch and it, it was gorgeous and inspiring. And it took me back to this, this idea that the launch is difficult, but once the launch occurs, then what? Then what are you going to do? So we tend to prepare students for their first job. And what we don't have is a perspective where we're preparing students to be lifelong learners. Whatever that means, that term is flying around out there. And there are platforms and tools like Corso, Coursera, Google certification programs, and things like that that I really feel are amazing stages. And they're not as effective as they need to be. I think where we're failing and where we're going to need to go is that we can teach students, whatever their age is, all of the technical skills, the knowledge, skills, and abilities that you want to, the attitudes that help to shape them as valuable workers. But at the end of the day, we have to arm them with the skills that are transferable. Some people call them soft skills, things like how to communicate, how to collaborate. For younger students, it is different. In some cases, it's hygiene. In some cases, it's, you know, you have to show up on time and things like that. But as time goes on, the soft skills, once you attain them and, and continue to practice them, serve you no matter where you are and what you're doing. You're familiar with ChatGPT, right? Yep. <laughs> when I saw ChatGPT for the first time, I realized I was living in a completely different era. And maybe I'm, maybe I should have known that beforehand, but I've been laughing at things that people have called AI or machine learning that really were so algorithmically driven that it felt like sleep oil. When I used ChatGPT and I thought about, well, what's this going to do to the jobs and occupations of the future? I have to be honest, I still haven't wrapped my head around that. But I know we're still going to have to be able to communicate. We can't get it to write every love letter to somebody that we care about. We can't get it to write every email to somebody. It does make mistakes every once in a while. And then in addition to that, we're going to still have to collaborate. We're still going to have to problem solve. We're still going to have to be empathetic with each other. We're going to have to, to be kind. We're going to have to know how to read each other whenever we communicate. So th those are all the soft transferable skills. I don't know until humanity becomes something other than humanity. Those aren't going away. So for the lifelong learner, if we can give them a toolkit where by the time they're entering their first job, they've attained those skills, then I feel like education is really taking a step forward in helping to build the future workforce. And I don't know that we're there right now. I think right now we probably focus 95% on technical skills and maybe 5% on soft skills. And if we flip that around, I think we'd get amazing results. Yeah, I've stopped using the word soft skills. I start calling them life skills because they're literally the skills you need to make a living, to also just to live in our society. So yeah, it is fascinating that we haven't spent that much time. And that CTE could be an opportunity where we spread out those skills into a lot of other programs in a kid's learning journey. So now that we've talked about CTE a little bit, I'm sure some of you are all excited to explore it. What advice would you give to someone who is interested in CTE, who wants to take the next step to learn more, to do more? I think the first piece of advice that I give anybody who's interested in educating themselves about careers and their career is do exactly what you would do with your health, with your fitness, 
with anything that you feel is a critical need for you as a human being in your life. And that is realize that you're in control of it. Nobody else is in control of it. And that there are so many resources. I get to wake up every day, work with an amazing team of people that Charlotte and I could talk about for an hour, just unbelievable people with experience in the classroom, experience in design, experience in marketing and CTE and understanding a lot of the, the nuances of this. But I think what we all know is that you can take control of your learning, your learning path at any age, in any way. One of the folks who I hired is somebody who was a classroom teacher. While they were a classroom teacher, they earned their Google project management certificate. And so that positioned them for their next step. And so that would be the second thing. And that is always be thinking about what you're going to be when you grow up. Always be thinking about what you're going to be next. Because we live in a time when you don't know that your job is going to be there tomorrow. And you're, the ultimate security that you have in the workplace now lives with you and not with the companies that you're a part of. And so take responsibility for that, build skills, whether they're soft skills or other skills, and develop yourself into the lifelong learner that you probably have always wanted to be. Charlotte, I'm going to tell you just a really quick tidbit about me that you didn't know, and that is I was actually 63rd in my class in high school. So I was not, you'd think, massive guy, physics teacher, he, he must have been pretty smart. And I was 63rd in my class. Now, I was like an SAT. I got one of those SAT scholarships. I did okay on the test. But, you know, beyond that, that might be maybe the last thing. And that is don't let other people or other statistics or other data that might be skewed determine your value and your worth. Because if I had done that, I would have never aspired to do many of the things that I've enjoyed doing. And I'm just, Charlotte, I feel lucky sometimes that the people who I'm around, let me be around them and, you know, let me contribute to products and let me contribute to their lives. And I truly, you know, I say that it's not false humility. I truly feel that way. But at the same time, you know, it's a matter of everybody's going to run into challenges. And if you take control of your opportunities as they apply to career, your career, to your informal career education, you're going to find success sooner or later. Right. And I like how you're saying, don't let other people determine your value, because just like with your learning, you're in control of that. You get to determine that and allow yourself to really live to your full potential, right? Absolutely. And, you know, my hope is that everybody's listening to this really just continues to grow in the direction that you want to. And I know that's really vague, but don't let the fact that you might perceive that there are opportunities for you become a reality. There are opportunities for you. There's curriculum out there for you. You know, anytime I want to learn something and I need to learn it immediately, I go to YouTube. So YouTube is probably the largest repository of curriculum that humanity has ever known. And it's curriculum on how to do things. You know, it's not who was the king of England in the 1600s. It's not useless knowledge. It's things like, hey, I don't know how to build a squadron in Final Fantasy 14. I've never even heard of the squadron. How do I do that? And so, you know, you can find out how to do anything that you want to, no matter how critical, important, maybe some people might think that building a squadron in fantasy, Final Fantasy XIV isn't important. <laughs> well, like the metaphor I've heard long ago, the world is your oyster and is also found in YouTube, apparently. <laughs> I, I, I think so, yes. 
All right. Well, thanks so much for being part of our podcast, Pat. And everyone out there, I hope you learned a little bit about CTE and I hope you're excited about becoming a lifelong learner. It's my pleasure for being here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, Charlotte. Thanks for listening to EdTech Adventures. Please subscribe to catch more of our episodes and leave a review to support the show. For more resources and info, visit us at codecombat.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Chang. We'll see you on our next learning adventure.